This is an EM Pulse Heartbeat with your host, Julia Magana. So I am here with two friends um, that gave an incredible lecture this morning and kind of filled us in about cultural competency. I think when I think about cultural competency, sometimes it makes me think about online training modules and kind of makes me roll my eyes. But I think these two did a great job of bringing it back to the bedside and making it relevant to us. So I'm going to have you guys, first of all, introduce yourselves. I'm Dan Colby. I'm an assistant professor of emergency medicine and medical toxicology. My name is Mai Lee, and I'm one of the ER nurses here at UC Davis. So guys, first of all, break it down for me. What is cultural competency and why should we care about it as emergency medicine providers? Cultural competency is just being able to know other cultures besides your own and to understand their belief in medicine uh, or caring for themselves and um, their traditional beliefs and the way that they heal so that you can actually understand and better help improve the care that you provide for them. I think about a certain level of empathy, but also knowledge and understanding, know what you don't know, realize that you as a healthcare provider come from a certain background and your patients may come from a drastically different background and accounting for that, um, leaving room for that, asking the right questions, getting the resources you need, being patient. Definitely language is part of this, but it's definitely more than language. Cultural competency does not just end at getting a translator, that's important, but also understanding the history of a people, where someone may have come from, if they're an immigrant or refugee. And then, as my mentioned, understanding their beliefs, they may be drastically different than your own. So I obviously can't know all of the ins and outs and many deep levels of every culture out there. How can I be culturally competent without knowing the intricacies of every different culture that's out there? Yeah, it's a a big challenge. You know, in Sacramento here, um, we're arguably the most diverse place in the entire country. In general, the United States is becoming more and more diverse. I think uh, experts say that by 2050, white people will make up less than half the United States. So it's going to be a challenge for everyone to try and figure out what different communities and cultures are in their own community that they're going to be caring for. You can start there. Start with the different ethnic, cultural, and minority groups in your own community and try and learn about them. And that's something that Mai did today by talking about the Hmong community. It's important because we know that patients from uh, certain ethnic, cultural, and minority groups, they end up having less primary care doctors for multiple reasons. They have insurance less often. So they often have worse outcomes, partly because of those things. And in general, across the board, those same groups have less satisfaction with their care in Western medicine in this country. And that satisfaction, I'm concerned, reflects a decrease in maybe willingness to take certain treatments, willingness to come and get care, because they're not satisfied when they do come and get care. I mean, that's concerning, and we can do better, and we should do better. This is an interest for me because I myself am Hmong. And I've seen the Hmong patients um, my family has encountered care in the hospitals. And I see the lack sometimes of compassion in the providers, um, nurses, doctors who are into this quick decision making. And if you don't follow what I say, why are you here type of um, concept. And so what I want to get out there is that in order to be culturally competent, you just need to start a conversation. Take an initiative to learn a little bit about that person. And I think when you start a conversation, it opens up a lot and so that you can see their perspective, their worldview, and not just be in your own little worldview and your narrow perspective. And so that's why it's important for me as a um, Hmong nurse is that I want to bring it out there to other providers 
We mentioned earlier about using the platinum rule instead of the golden rule. The golden rule is do unto others as you do unto yourself. Well, the platinum rule is that do unto others as, as they would have done unto themselves. So really, you need to take care of them from their perspective and not put your own perspective and force it upon themselves. Once I started medicine, I kept encountering situations where either someone else's ability to use cultural competence or eventually my own, because it takes time to learn it, it doesn't happen overnight, allowed me to give better care and in several situations make the diagnosis that we otherwise would not have made. We talked about a couple today in the in the Hmong community and then uh, a great example I can remember uh, in some of our Afghani refugees, which we have a lot of here in Sacramento, we had a whole family of adults and young small children with lead toxicity and they kept coming back with recurrent lead toxicity. And as a both emergency medicine physician and a toxicologist, I kept treating them and it was frustrating and, and they were being harmed by it. And we eventually found out um, by talking to some of their community leaders that in our Afghani refugee population, it's very common to use a certain eye ointment um, that has been implicated uh, in lead toxicity. And their eye ointment that we found that they showed to us once we finally asked the right question, once we finally had the cultural literacy and competence to ask that question, was pure lead. So they were rubbing lead onto their children's faces. Um, they do it as sunblock and also ornamentally onto their eyes. And how did you end up finding that out in the end? We ended up talking to several local um, refugee resettlement groups where they have some people that are great at giving that that deeper level of cultural competence because with translators alone, we were having difficulty talking to this family because they spoke a certain dialect. You know, we talked about getting translators. Our translators alone in the situation were, were not sufficient. It's more than that. We need to talk to people um, that have or share some of the same beliefs and traditions as our patients. Yeah, that's a really interesting story. And, I, you know, it plays in, I think, to most shifts, at least for us here in Sacramento area, where you have to get outside of yourself and be able to look a little bit deeper. Any other good ways that we can use cultural competency on a shift besides getting a translator and not just the one that's there at bedside sometimes? Anything else that you guys suggest? Being willing to ask patients or family if there's anyone else we can get involved in their care. Mai's brought up uh, in the Hmong community, that's often the first place I go. I say, hey, do you have an elder? Do you have a shaman? Do you have a, a leader that you'd like to get involved in your care now? Because oftentimes they're going to need that person to make a big medical decision later. So we've, we've done that numerous times at UC Davis, and it's really helpful. And Mai, you mentioned that sometimes there's other spiritual healings or medications, or like you found uh, Colby with the eye ointment. How can we ask that question of our patients about other things that they're taking without making them feel embarrassed? I think that the best way to do it is to just be outright and ask them and say, hey, I understand that you're Hmong and we'd like to give you this medication, but we need to make sure that you're not on any herbal supplements that could actually interact with this medication and make you feel worse. That's something that I would highly recommend. So I always think about the book, The Spirit Catches You and You Fall Down, which I think, if you haven't read it, is a medical must-read. Do you guys have any other resources for our listeners on cultural competency, Hmong um, or otherwise, that you guys would recommend they check out? Georgetown um, University has a website that we can link that shows um, some good information about chronic conditions and cultural competence. And then there's also our, our government actually puts out this thing called the National Class Standards. It stands for Culturally and Linguistically Appropriate Services in Healthcare, and there are standards that are evolving. I think CMS runs them, and we can put a link to that. I mean, they're pretty broad. They're not very specific, but it's a good place to start. 
you know, we, we know that when the healthcare providers reflect the demographics of the patients, that patients do better, right? So that's part of this is, is hiring a diverse staff of physicians, nurses. After that, everyone can kind of learn about the people that they're serving. And, and that takes time. And it's not something you can do, you know, within three months of starting a job somewhere. Um, I've been here eight years now, and I'm learning more about the Hmong community, our Afghani refugees, our Mian population. And, and in Sacramento, it's, it's especially challenging. But uh, wherever you're working, you can take it as a challenge to try and be more culturally competent. I think the next step to this is going to be us diving into refugee medicine and uh, what that means for us in the emergency department. Like that's the next step with uh, cultural competency. So I hope we can come back and uh, talk about that some more. In the meantime, thank you guys so much for taking time to talk with us and uh, giving us your perspective. We appreciate it. 